Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Shan. Hello. And today we are discussing Chapter 18 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. In Chapter 18, the Crofts come to Bath and strike up a very formal relationship with the Elliots and gets a letter from Mary, which says that Captain Bennock is now engaged to Louisa Musgrove. Then Anne runs into Admiral Croft in the street and he tells her the same piece of news. It was the beginning of February. Jane Austen is so clear about dates. Everything is mapped out. We know that Anne has been in Bath a month. It's been three weeks since she had a letter from Mary. And the letter that she does receive from Mary through the Crofts is dated. Well, in fact, she gets two, doesn't she? She does. She gets two letters from Mary in one package. And she says, I can write as much as I want. She can write as much as she wants because the Crofts are going to take it. So she won't have to pay for postage. That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. It's really interesting because Mary contradicts herself within one letter and between the two letters. I know. <laughs> We're back to Mary again, this oh, misery guts. She can... Oh, woe is me. She's very good at it. Oh, dear me. She refers to Mrs. Harville as an odd mother from being apart from her children. But then she says, I do not expect my children to be asked to bath when I come to bath. No, and I, I could do quite well to be separated for six weeks A month to six weeks, thank you very much. And she sees no contradiction in what she's just said previously. And that's within one letter. Mm. There is a contradiction between the two letters. She says, I do not think the Crofts improve at all as neighbours in one letter. And then the next letter she says, I shall be truly glad to have them back again. Our neighbourhood cannot spare such a pleasant family. The big news is that Captain Bennock and Louisa Musgrove are engaged. And that was a plot twist. Because, of course, knowing, reading Jane's writing, you know she's always going to have something slightly different, that the, the characters, as they are often portrayed, will often do something quite different. So we have this Captain Bennock who's bemoaning his last love and wilting away. And yet he seems quite capable of shifting from Anne, his dead fiance, and now to this new lady in his life. And Anne does think that this circumstance is a confirmation that, yes, he was starting to fall for her. And I think that's quite correct, because she also then goes on to talk about the situation. Any woman that took an interest in him and was prepared to listen to him and give conversation, he was going to find an attractive character. And the situation, of course, with Louise being bedridden, and she would be delighted to get company from a very handsome young man. Thank you very much. And reading her sonnets and poetry and things, it would be it's right. Very, it's perfect. It's very right romantic. up there. Yeah. Very romantic. I think they would do very well together because she's a kind soul. While she might seem a bit of a an airhead, it's really only because she's young. She's actually quite practical child, I think, in the sense of. They don't seem too pretentious in terms of the Musgroves. They don't stick up their nose at the neighbours around them or anything like that. The only one they really don't particularly like is Mary, and that's fair enough. But they do their duty by them. <laughs> by her. They're not at all nice children, in my opinion. So Walter and Elizabeth ask questions about the letter, but don't wait for answers, really. But in fact, they give their own answers, don't they? Mrs Clay had paid her tribute of a more decent attention. Mrs. Clay, I think, is a much deeper character. She's often being portrayed as being a, as being a money grabber. But really, I think she's a very practical woman, and I think she knows better how to behave. And you never actually read of her 
being rude or anything to Anne, which she could be. She could come out with some derogatory marks because she has the backing of both Sir Walter and Elizabeth, that if she made things, you could actually see them almost supporting her if it was along the lines of things they'd already said. But she doesn't at all anywhere through the book. I find in reading it this time, I feel more positive towards Mrs Clay as just being somebody who's looking out for herself, but she doesn't want to do anybody else down. She inquires after Mary and her fine little boys, which Mm. really their aunt and grandfather should have. She's preserving the niceties and the civilities. She's behaving far, far better than the so-called gentlefolk, the people with breeding, who actually their behaviour is appalling. Even Mary doesn't say anything about her kids. No. Apart from, I'd be quite happy to leave them. Yes. At Uppercross. Yes. While I go and enjoy myself in Bath. Yes. They're all far too lively for her. If the woman who had been sensible of Captain Wentworth's merits could be allowed to prefer another man, there was nothing in the engagement to excite lasting wonder. This makes me think of Lady Russell's thoughts when it appeared that Captain Wentworth and Louise were going to get together. Yes. How could someone who had seen value in Anne see value in Louise of Musgrove? What we have here now is Anne seeing the same thing only but in reverse. You know, somebody who could have had Captain Wentworth has chosen somebody completely, I wouldn't go so far as to say inferior, but just not of the same caliber. There's a human element here in the sense Wentworth's not all perfect. He's not all completely heroic. He basically avoids Louisa. He runs away. He runs away to his brother and to all sorts of places. And Admiral is sort of saying, can't understand that. He was hoping like, hell, you know, absence make the heart not grow fonder. But, you know, it gives him the, not so much the feet of clay, but he's he's an ordinary man. It's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> they wonder about the Crofts having acquaintance. <laughs> and Elizabeth says something about there are some odd looking men about who I hear are sailors. <laughs> And later in the book, they can't walk for half an inch before he's bumping into. His whole walk with Anne through the centre of town, every couple of steps, that's someone I know, that's someone else I know. You get a really good picture of the Crofts' relationship, that they keep their country habits of always being together. And you see Mrs Croft engaging with the naval officers in conversation, looking as intelligent and keen as any of the officers around her. I wonder if we are supposed to see the Crofts as a sort of relationship in some ways that the Wentworths are going to have. Oh, I would imagine so. They're the epitome, they're the example that Anne aspires to out of all the couples. That's not to say the Musgroves and the Harvilles don't have some very positive attributes, but the Crofts are the ones to Anne who are the epitome of a well-married couple. They both respect each other hugely and contribute hugely to each other's support. Did the Admiral get lucky marrying Mrs Croft? Because he thinks that Captain Benwick and Louisa should get married straight away. And he's like, well, it didn't work out for Frederick. He'll just find someone else. Whoever happens to be there, you should just marry them. That's a very good point. I think he was lucky with Mrs Croft. There's no doubt about that. A very practical woman who considers it her duty to be with her husband. Except when she has a large blister. 
except when she's allowed to blister. But, you know, she travelled with him, she sailed with him, she mm. took her responsibilities very keenly. Yet we don't know how they met. We do know they got married very quickly, within like six weeks or something. Yes, but that's very, very common in wartime, of course. Even to more modern day, people tend to do things quite quickly, just in case the worst happens. How much older than Captain Wentworth? Is he about 10 years or something? I don't know how old Admiral Croft is. Mrs Croft is about 38. He would be in his 40s then, I would imagine. So we don't know where he met her, do we, though? So it is a quick decision on both parties' side then. And I do think you're right. He was very lucky and maybe has that sort of a cross between you make your own luck. Would he have ever been attracted to somebody like Louisa? Doubt it. Though when they were talking about it in the carriage, when Anne was stuck between the two of them, the Admiral was like, why doesn't he just marry one of them? And you could tell that Mrs Croft was like, mm. I'm not sure they're good enough for him. But perhaps the Admiral can see things differently from his lofty marriage position. And also he's a man in those days and they just made decisions, you know. Men of action. And then just get disappointed later. There are several of those marriages in Jane Austen's novels. Marry in haste and regret in... Leisure. The Crofts are the equivalent of the gardeners, you know, in character, in relationship, and in sensibility, and in mentorship. But it doesn't mean to say they're not without their own failings. <laughs> Anne runs into Admiral Croft when he's on the street looking at a picture in a window going, that is not a boat. Oh, I love that. I love that. Of course, it's a coracle. Do you know what a coracle is? No. It's a round, I think it's made usually made of reeds or something, or willow boat and then it's covered in pitch to make it waterproof and it was where I remember it from my history lessons it was a particularly Welsh type of boat and it's for not sailing it's for boating on the rivers so in Wales and you'd do fishing or you'd carry people but yes he's absolutely right it is not you wouldn't want to go very far in it you know it's not very stable it is a skill in itself. And I don't know, if, presumably they would have had an oar. I don't think you had a pair of oars, because unlike a boat, there's no prow, just a circle. So basically you've got this feeling that you just go around in circles, you know, how would you go anywhere? But it's very waterproof, and it was a very practical and little boat of the rivers. So he's so absorbed in this that Anne has to speak to him twice and then actually reach out and touch him. Which I thought was quite revealing in terms of the comfort of the relationship with the Crofts. And he even says... Thank you, this is treating me like a friend. But I do wonder, does Admiral Cross treat everyone the same? I can't tell whether... No, no, I don't think so. No, it's... because if he, as he's walking along, there are people that he'll say hi to, and there's other people who say, I'm quite glad they're on the other side of the road. In Chapter 13, Anne identifies herself as a favourite of Mrs Croft, and I think potentially here you can see that she might be a favourite of the Admiral too. Because he takes her arm. But then again, this could be the polite thing that you're like, oh, okay, I should take your arm and offer to take you home or wherever you need to go. And it would be the polite thing, but I think it's the way in which he's very comfortable talking to her. When he meets up with Sir Walter and Elizabeth, you get the feeling they say everything that's nice and appropriate. There's no sharing of, of confidences or commentary beyond the weather or other remarks, really. He tells her what he thinks will be a great revelation that she already knows. And she has seen them since she found out. But she doesn't tell them because it's a delicate thing. You don't tell people about engagements. Or it seems to be the thing because it's surprising that she didn't tell them. 
I was going to say is that she may have been concerned about how he felt for Frederick, but of course you would consider that he would have felt the same concern for her, thinking that Benick was interested in her. So there's all these contrasts, isn't there, as you go through the book? He compares Captain Benick and Captain Wentworth, the two common idea of spirit and gentleness being incompatible with each other. I think the spirit represents Louisa, but it also represents Frederick, and the yes. gentleness represents Benick and Anne. So there's this comparison between their relationships as well. Frederick hasn't seen them. He finds out this information in a letter from Harvel, and then he conveys it to his sister and brother-in-law in a letter. It says, Frederick is not a man to whine and complain. He has too much spirit for that. But again, you don't really know how he's feeling because it's all written. We know he's fine, but unless you have that conversation with someone in person, how are you supposed to know how they're actually feeling? I think the only thing is that you you do read into the fact that he basically avoided (laughs) Louisa. The Admiral wants to bring him to Bath. Here are pretty girls enough, which really brings to mind... Sir Walter's complaint about the 87 unattractive women. It's the difference between Mary and, as well, you know, everything's bad that's happening and it's all bad to her, but everybody else is having a lovely time. You know, these people who see the negative, the pessimist, the ability to see the good in people and the good in things and the best of every situation as opposed to the worst of every situation. It's quite a shock finding out they're going to be engaged, or they are engaged. And Anne's reaction, too much like joy. Yes. Senseless joy. Yes. Which is just amazing. And we've never experienced Anne feeling that way before. Yes. Anne's heart beat in spite of herself and brought the colour into her cheeks when she thought of Captain Wentworth unshackled and free. <laughs> She had some feelings which she was ashamed to investigate. (laughs) And in fact, the first time she met the Crofts, when the meeting took place, it was evident that no rumour of the news had yet reached them. It's another one of those where you see the contrast between characters. So, And I think Jane's writing is as much about that as it is about the plot. The plot's a vehicle to actually expose the characters of individuals, whereas some books you read and it's all plot but actually the characters are quite thin I think you get to know the people in these books even better by comparison and that is our summary of chapter 18 of Persuasion by Jane Austen my name is Frances Duncan you can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on twitter at francis underscore duncan thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now I haven't actually got merch with my face on it That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!